mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Cara. It's rainy and early in LA. Is it rainy and early where you are? (laughs) No, it's actually sunny for once and not early. Cara's been up since 4 a.m., everyone. So if she's... We we can do a whole now what about that. (laughs) If she talks even slower than we normally talk, you'll understand why. Okay. My birthday's (laughs) coming up and my wish for my birthday is that I start talking faster. Okay. But our listeners can listen to me on 1.5 speed and you on 1 speed. No. No, I think your your pace is a little better than mine. It's the three hour time difference. (laughs) 1.5 speed. I actually have us automatically on 1.5 speed. Is my voice a little higher? (laughs) (laughs) My son, one of my kids loves our laughs on 1.5 speed. He's like, that's great. You should make it something out of those laughter. Anyways, we're not here to talk about our sleep habits or our laughter. We're here. We can do that another time. (laughs) But we are going to talk about, Cara, something, a question we get all the time. Would you like to tee it up? I will tee it up. Sorry. Side note, I'm just looking at us on the Zoom screen and you're wearing light pink and I'm wearing light blue and we look like we're having a baby shower on this (laughs) podcast at the moment. That's why I took a beat there, but now I'm going to move faster. If we believed in gender reveals, which actually we don't, or at least I don't, I'm assuming you don't either. Yeah, I'm 
I'm against. Okay. So this is the sort of age old question that I've gotten as long as I can remember, but really it ramped up full speed when I started touring with the Caring Keeping series. I would have parents come up to me at book signings asking how to convince the parent whose gender aligned with their kid's gender, how to convince that parent to have a specific set of talks. So occasionally when it was the care and keeping of you, which are the girl books, obviously, it would often be the lone dad or uncle who happened to be in the bookstore at the time or coming to the book event who would say, you know, I'm here, but, you know, the mom figure in my daughter's life is not here, is not really interested in learning this. That was the outlier situation. The more common situation when a dad would approach would be um, a non-traditional family setup, like two dads. And the question would be, well, what do we do? Because neither of us ever experienced this. But where the question became even more interesting and even more pressing was when guy stuff came out. Because the majority of people who came to these book signings across the country were women. And they were really at a loss for how to talk to their sons. And so this is all in service to the bigger question, which is, Vanessa, do you have to have body parts that match a given child's body parts in order to empathize with their situation, uh, you know, their path through puberty and give them advice? Spoiler alert, everyone knows the answer. (laughs) So shock, shock, shock. It is our belief that you don't need to have, and this is somebody phrased it this way and I love it. You don't need to have the particular equipment that you're discussing with a kid in order to have helpful, healthy conversations with kids about their changing bodies. It's a reference to Elaine on Seinfeld. Oh, does she talk about this? Yes, I was like not did. a big Seinfeld person. I well, think because I lived on so the Upper young West Side. At the time. <laughs> no, I wasn't. But I live on the Upper West Side, and it's like I'm surrounded by people like them. And I'm like, why do I need more bizarre Upper West Siders? Well, I believe it was Elaine who okay. coined that concept. So thank you, Julia Louis Dreyfus, for that and everything else you do in the world. So you don't need the equipment, and like essentially everything else we talk about in this podcast, so much of conversations with kids about these tumultuous, intense, confusing, wonderful years are actually like about fairly broad things that don't necessarily even have to do with penises and vaginas, but have to do with empathy and respect and curiosity and kindness and honesty and you know, a foundation and a family's values and all of those things. So how do we get from here to there? How do I get from, you know, you don't have to have a penis to talk to a kid about penis all the way to that list of really important value systems. So I think we can walk through the beginning, like why you don't have to have the parts in order to talk about the parts. Cause I think this is very liberating and very helpful for the adults in kids' lives who don't know how to convince another adult that it's okay to talk to a kid about something. Yeah. So I'll start with, you know, I'm a pediatrician. (laughs) Shocker. What? I had no idea. When people used to Oh, thank God. One of us is a doctor. (laughs) I know. Some legitimacy here. Dr. Carl Bennett. Okay. So 
when people used to come interview me, you know, there's a whole thing that happens in a lot of practices where parents will want to meet their future pediatrician before a baby is born and kind of interview them, get a sense of their philosophy. It's actually a really wonderful meeting for a lot of reasons. And when people would come to interview me, they would often ask if I had children. That was an important thing. They wanted a doctor who also played the role of parent. My husband is a cardiologist. Mm. I don't think anyone has ever asked him, maybe, maybe one or two, but very rare, if he has had fill-in-the-blank heart disease, right? A heart attack, whatever. They don't think that the experience, the lived experience of heart disease is important to be a good cardiologist. I think the easiest way to frame our answer about why you don't need to share the parts or have shared the pubertal journey is exactly that. It's the cardiologist version. You don't have to have lived it in order to be really good at explaining it. All you have to do is read about it, listen to stories about it, show curiosity, you know, educate yourself as much as possible, answer the questions you know the answers to, and seek help when you don't know the answers from someone who does. Just a quick question. Are you likening children to a disease? <laughs> Neither pregnancy nor children are a disease. Or a disease. <laughs> Even though sometimes they feel that way. So can you tell it's been a long week in my house with that question? Yeah. I mean, listen, it's like there are lots of things that we talk about in the world that we haven't lived firsthand, right? We write papers about them in school after having studied and read about them. Kari, you and I all the time do new aspects of our work that we have never, ever done before. And yet, most of the time do a pretty nice job, even though we haven't, you know, like when we started doing TikToks, it's like, are you a TikToker? No, I'm not a TikToker, but I'm <laughs> but now about I to am. become one. <laughs> well, right. I mean, we we talk about sexual orientation and we talk about all of the different labels that fall under that very large umbrella term. And we only occupy one of those labels, and there are many others. We talk about right. gender a lot in our new book. We talk about gender a lot. It was a very hard chapter for us to write. We interviewed people like crazy. We, I mean, I don't even know how much reading we did for that chapter, Vanessa. We went deep because it's a topic and an experience that we personally didn't have a ton of firsthand knowledge of, but we educated ourselves. We let people who are experiencing life along the gender spectrum talk to us, educate us, open our eyes. And you know what? Then we got to take that information and translate it into something that we hope is helpful for other people. I think it's the exact same with kids and their changing bodies. Now, this isn't to downplay the gut reaction that a lot of people have to this advice, which is, yeah, but I actually really don't know what it's like to have a wet dream or right. I, don't, I really don't know what cramps feel like. You know, that's fair. I think that's fair. If you listen to enough of our episodes, you'll hear us preach the importance of air, particularly down there. Airing out body parts reduces sweatiness, stinkiness, and skin irritation. And it feels amazing to air it all out after a long day in tight, sweaty clothes. Which is why we created the Oom Short. Super soft, lightweight, with wide legs and a low crotch. All help air flow. 
Designed for all genders in all sizes, literally down to kids extra small and up to men's extra large. Everyone who wears them tells us they've never been so comfy. Get your shorts at myoomla.com. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is Factors Ready to Eat Meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our Factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, magnesium breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, magnesium breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie Horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. 
You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. I mean, there are so many aspects to caring for kids that we don't share. Like maybe if you're raising a kid with a learning difference and you yourself don't have a learning difference, you can be a resource, a support a guide, a listening ear to a kid who's dealing with that. If you have a kid who's, you know, struggling with math and you are an amazing math person and you don't know what that's like. I mean, there's a million tiny ways in which our children are different from us. If they are incredible athletes and we are not, you know, we are supporting them through it. So I think for some reason, when it comes to specific body parts and certain physiology, all of a sudden people feel this real risk. And I think, Cara, a lot of that comes from what modeling we as adults had when we were going through it. So for many people, if anyone talked to them about this stuff in the first place, and that's a big if for our generation, often it was the job of the parent with the gender who discussed it with us, right? Moms talk to daughters, dads talk to sons. And so that was the paradigm that was set up for us. That That's an if. If, a huge if. If it didn't happen in your house and it happened at your school, another if. What happened at school, Vanessa? How was it organized? So you were separated by gender. There you go. Um, Let's start with that. And yeah. typically, if you were taught it and if you were separated by gender, they would have an instructor of that same gender teaching that group of students of that gender. So that's the paradigm that we have. And part of our job and our mission of flipping puberty positive is that everybody learns about everybody's experience and everybody's body parts and everybody talks about each other's journeys, regardless of gender. And so- Right. I'm not crediting us with this, but I do think if this philosophy is adopted and lots of people share this philosophy with us- Absolutely. we are one of many, two of many, but if this philosophy is adopted and is rolled into the mainstream over time, which it feels like it is, then every gender learning about every gender's parts and every gender's physiology and every gender's experience, emotional experience- What does that do? Well, 10, 20, 30 years down the road, it means that the conversation we're having right now, like how do you get the gender mismatched parent or adult in a kid's life to talk to them is a moot point. It doesn't matter because if they're raised knowing a little bit about everyone's experience and that everyone's experience is valuable and valid, then this goes away. And I will say that I don't know if you feel this way, Cara, but I have been guilty I have three sons and one daughter, and there have been times when I have given my daughter pieces of information and not my son's information that was specific to her body and her puberty and given my son's information specific to their experience and not giving it to my daughter. And I have had over the years to consciously make choices about 
you know, crossing information barriers in order to like practice what I preach. I mean, a perfect example was I had been like running puberty workshops for girls and I had my big 3M pad and the drawing of the 3M pad to write on, not a 3M pad for your underwear. Oh, sorry. Yes. 3M is like the post-it note company and they make massive wall hanging post-it notes that we use in our workshops. And, you know, my daughter had spent like hours in workshops. And then I was like, oh my God, I have never taught my sons about what's happening in a genetic female body. And so it was like we sat around the kitchen table and I gave them like a puberty workshop and I did all the drawing and I pulled out all the pads and they were, I don't know, four and nine at the time and maybe a little bit older. So they remember it really yeah. well. Maybe they were older. Maybe they were like six and 12. And I was a little bit nervous, but they were like so fascinated and so into it. Okay. So I have so many things to say. One is that yes. the age range of your children just changed dramatically because you started at nine and four and you got to six and 12. Yeah. Well, I'm trying so. to think Ozzy, I, I can't <laughs> remember what the age difference is between Ozzy and Bear. Wait, hold on. One is, is 17 and was five years, five years, but it could there have been go. when one of them had already turned and the other one hadn't. You know, so. Vanessa, the caffeine's <laughs> kicking in. So I'm just flexing my math skills. Yes. Also, I am laughing because I too am a little bit guilty of parsing information and then catching myself. And it got much better over time about catching myself sooner and sooner and sharing the information sooner and sooner. But before we pressed record, I was telling you about this interview I did yesterday for a story about how messy the bathroom is for kids, like how catastrophically <sighs> messy and disgusting it is. And this was one of the more fun interviews I've done in a very long time. And the reporter started asking me, question. She was very, very vague about the question. And what I realized was she was asking, why is there urine? Is there pee oh my God. around the pedestal of the toilet, like where the toilet goes into the floor, but not anywhere else. No. Like, like as if you had to intentionally aim, you know, in the wrong well, like the wrong back spot. at the reservoir, there's like a pool of urine at the back, right? but not actually the the toilet water is crystal clear. Well, it's just well, and the toilet seat is crystal clear. It's like it's well, like intentional. Or covered in piss. Yeah. Or covered. And we were laughing and laughing. And I was thinking, it's so funny because this too is the type of gendered conversation that I have where frankly, all genders deserve to know kind of basic etiquette in the bathroom. And, you know, all joking aside, how like the the antics and how hard it is to actually get pee where they get pee in the bathroom, you know, sort of the, we do have these conversations siloed to what your parts are and we shouldn't, so long as we're not shaming, like the idea is not to shame. I mean, you can laugh about it, but the idea is not to, you know, it wouldn't be for me to bring my daughter in to shame my son about the whole situation, but there is something to be said for just pointing out the lunacy of it to everyone involved. Right. And you can say, hey, kiddo, I have a vulva. I don't have a penis. And so I don't know exactly what's happening here, but I'm noticing that piss is all over <laughs> the floor and all over the sides of the toilet, but somehow not in the toilet. So let's talk a little bit about what is happening in the lead up to you peeing 
in and around the toilet so I can better understand how to help you. And I know this sounds like we've gone down some random rabbit hole, but it's not really because the whole point of this conversation is whether or not you have the parts, you can feel emboldened to talk about the parts. And you can do it in a way that brings kids into a conversation that doesn't make them feel bad, that doesn't make them feel less than. You can even acknowledge like, okay, I don't have a tool that aims pee anywhere. So can you kind of, can you teach me how you got it there? And then can we talk about cleaning it up? You know, that kind of thing. There's a whole world of talking about these body parts that isn't just periods and wet dreams. And sometimes I think the sex ed of it all, the school-based education of it all, those are the two big check boxes. And there's much more to cover here. And so for men who are raising girls, for women who are raising boys, for people who are raising kids on the gender spectrum and the gender identity and the body parts may be out of sync. And so some of these labels apply differently to all of you. It's totally, totally appropriate to talk about all of it with everyone. And as we often say, start young, right? Like, It feels really scary to start these conversations when it's about wet dreams and periods and vaginal intercourse and masturbation and, you know, the big hot topics that feel super overwhelming. Start with like, huh, I think from what I understand, when you have a vulva, you're supposed to wipe from front to back. So let's talk about how you're wiping and whether that's actually happening. And then we can figure out how to make it happen. Right. Or, huh. Okay. I got a side comment about that. Yes. For people who have stuck with the podcast episode this long, you're going to get a real pearl here. (laughs) (laughs) Here it is. There are two camps. Ye of little faith. Don't tell me some people think you should wipe from back to front with a vulva. Oh God. There's front to back wiping and then there's two stage wiping. So the two stage wipers. Yes. They will talk about it. They very intentionally wipe the vulva separately from the anus. The sort of directionality of it means less because they're not. And here's uh, just so that because we're all into the why. The why you don't wipe from back to front is you don't want to get the bacteria that tend to accumulate in stool and poop up into the vagina, into the vulva or into the urethra, because you can end up with an an infection in the urinary tract or in the reproductive tract that can be handled in the bowel, but not as well in the vagina or up in the urethra and sort of traveling up to where the bladder is, where the urine is stored. So that's why you don't want to wipe back to front. But there's this camp of people who, and it's perfect. It works really well. Like, okay, I'm only going to wipe my anus. I'm going to keep that tissue paper back there and it stays there and it's very local cleaning. And then I'm only going to wipe my vulva and urethra and, you know, there we go. Those are some very organized people and I'm very impressed by them. (laughs) Yeah, and you know what? You do you, but you can do it either way. You do you. Just don't wipe from back to front if you have a vulva. That's the bottom line. Yes, in one sweeping motion, no. Yes. So that is a conversation you can have with a three-year-old and a four-year-old and a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old before you ever get, I mean, hopefully by a 10-year-old, you are having conversations about periods, right? Or yes, with respect to 
someone who has a penis and who is spending a lot of time with their hand down their pants and having a little erection, or as mostly everybody says, a boner. And that can happen with infants and toddlers and grade school kids, kids long before puberty. You can say, hey, I noticed you got your hand down there and it looks like you have an erection. Just want to make sure you know that that's actually not something we do in the supermarket or at a restaurant, but feel free to do it in your room or in the bathroom, right? I would amend that statement to say, you could say with or without the word erection because hands down the pants in a supermarket is probably not a great look (laughs) with or without the erection. Right. I mean, if it's keeping them quiet, I might actually... (laughs) Keeps them from complaining. Pediatricians are like, use the screen to keep a kid quiet. Vanessa's like, use the hands hands down down the pants. pants. (laughs) I mean, you know my family, my extended family, not my children. So you can appreciate why that's an acceptable tactic, parenting (laughs) tactic. But the point is like, there are ways to talk about what equipment is there, regardless of the parent's gender and the kid's gender. And it's like, normal and it's okay. So now, Cara, we get to the big, sometimes scary and intimidating topics like periods and wet dreams and then sex and all of that. So Mary Pat had her son go out and buy her tampons when he was old enough to go out and, you know, go to the market and pick up stuff one of the things she did to make it clear that everybody in their house was participating in everybody else's journey, she was like, okay, go buy me tampons. And he was like, all right, let me go do that, right? So like, there's ways to sort of sprinkle that in to fit. Yeah, there's a baby step into that. Yes. Uh, And the baby step into that is to start consuming the same information that your kids are consuming. So a perfect example is if you give your kids a book to read about their body, read the book, read the book, read what they're learning, because maybe you know it and you will just be aware of the level at which they're learning it. And maybe you actually don't know it, which is totally fine, but then you'll educate yourself and you know where they're at. And I think that's one toe into the water before you get to the very advanced move of go buy me some tampons. That's like a real ninja move. Totally fair point. I've actually never... My husband to buy me tampons. I don't know. But to your point, Cara, about like educate yourself, you can also show your kids that you're educating yourself. Like you can say, I have to admit this. I actually don't know all the parts of female reproductive organs. I'm going to learn this alongside of you. There is nothing in the world that kids like better that when an adult admits to not knowing something and trying to learn it alongside them, right? I don't know are fabulous words. They are very, very powerful words and they make kids feel, I know it sounds crazy and counterintuitive, but saying I don't know actually makes kids feel really comfortable because then what you can do is you can show them the solution to I don't know, which is I'm going to go educate myself. Yeah. So if you don't know, If you don't know about your own body parts, if you don't know about people of other genders' body parts, it's a great time to get the books, to educate yourself, to let your kids know that you are educating yourself, to say, I realize that I don't talk to you about, you know, female body parts because I always assume because you have male body parts that I don't need to. But you know what? I realize I do need to. And so 
we're going to start and I'm going to talk to you about it. And I am super nervous and I feel really uncomfortable, but this is important. And so I'm going to do it. Okay. But here's where I'd love to land. This is not an excuse to the parent or adult in the equation who's avoiding the conversation. So there are so many circumstances in which one parent is asking the other or one adult is asking the other to talk to a kid, not because they share the same body parts. That's the excuse. The real reason is because that adult is not that comfortable talking with the kid and they're trying to open the door to those conversations. Yep. And that is so legit, but it's not the most effective way to say to that adult, because you have the parts, you're the one who has to have the conversation. I think it's more effective to say, it would be really great if you could start having these conversations because over time, it's going to bring you closer to this kid. And that's the bottom line. And that's the carrot that usually the other adult needs in order to understand why you're pushing so hard. And sometimes you're both there and one person is talking and me. one person, <laughs> me, and one person is listening and is present. And that shows a kid that you care, that this is an important topic to you, that you want to make sure that your kid is learning this stuff, but you may not be the one doing the talking and that's okay. And acknowledging that you're learning alongside them as you're, you know, we all have different growing up stories. And I grew up in a home where we talked about everything. My husband grew up in a country and a culture where people don't talk about anything. And so he and I have been on a journey together about like who takes on what and who talks about what, because I kind of got it all as a kid and he didn't get any of it. Um, and so he's learning and he's telling the kids that he's learning. And so I think it's really valuable that everybody participates in a way that is authentic to them. Even if it's hard, it can still be authentic. I want to land Kara with what we started with, which is like so much of this is not actually about the body parts or the act, That's but right. it's really about the kind of messaging and values that you are, that all of us are trying to instill in our families and in our homes. And we so often talk about what do you do if a kid asks you a question and you're like shocked and unprepared, but know it's important and not sure how you want to answer. So Car, what's your go-to? You know it. It's that's so interesting. What made you think of that? Right? That's right. And I think it's a perfect place to end and wrap up because when it comes to a kid whose parts don't match yours, asking for advice or help, if you are stymied, if you just don't know how you want to approach it, it's a great way to just put a little pause on the conversation and reframe it for yourself, right? We always talk about reframing it for the kid. This reframes it for you. That's so interesting. I'm so curious why you're asking me about this. I'm so happy that you're asking me, but I'm so curious, why are you asking me? And then I can't say enough times, take Vanessa's advice. If you don't know the answer, own it. Tell them you don't know the answer. Go learn and then circle back. If you mess it up, which you will, because we all do, then the conversation is, 
I gave you the wrong information. I'm so sorry. I looked it up. Here's some better information. Can you give me another chance to answer the question? Right? And that's with younger kids. With older kids, when they ask you questions and you're like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm about to have this conversation with my kid. Then you can say, deep breath. And like, thank you for trusting me with this. Thank you for coming to me about this. I feel so grateful that I get to talk to you about this. I'm not sure I'm going to do it right, but I'm going to try my best. Here we go. Right? Like it's affirmation. It's validation. It's appreciation for the kids. And then it's often not all that much information, but it's the first three, which is what about making connection with your kid and being a resource to them and showing them that you love and deserve their trust. And the rest kind of comes a little more easily after that. As always, Vanessa, you are a font. (laughs) (laughs) A font of something, of what? (laughs) I'm not entirely sure what. This is so fun. I love this. I know. Me too. But we got to let these people go. I know. Sorry, guys. Go on with your day. Go talk about somebody else's equipment. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, Cara. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com